Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Romans chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. We're continuing our series, uh, Romans, and uh, we've been there for I don't know how long. Uh, we've been there for a while. We'll be there still for a while. So when you get it, if you just stand to your feet and... Uh, We'll read this together. If you don't have a Bible, man, we'd love for you to have a Bible. And so we have them out in the lobby. We have tables, high-top tables that are both ends. And they've got Bibles on them. They're English and Spanish Bibles. And so make sure you get the right one. Right? Romans chapter 5. I'm reading just verse 1 and 2. Follow along as I read. It says this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Verse 2, because our faith, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of highest privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for this morning. We're grateful for your presence here. We know that you're here. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. And we're saying now, Spirit, we need your ministry. We need you to speak to us. We need you to teach us, Lord. We've read your word. Give us understanding. And, Father, the kind of understanding I'm asking for is where each person would have an understanding of how it applies directly to them and what you're saying to them. And, Father, it may have something to do with what I'm going to talk about, and it may not. And we say, Spirit, that's, that's you. And so you work this morning. Minister, speak to us, open our eyes. Do it, Father, so that it draws us closer to you. That's what we desire. We want closer to you. And so do that, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Well, this last month, uh, Kimmy and I celebrated our, I believe this was our sixth house anniversary. And so I just want to thank all of you who sent cards because that means a lot to us. But we've been in this house now for six years, and I was thinking back throughout when we bought this house, and news, just this is a bullet point, right? If you're a realtor, if you sell real estate, and you hear that we're going to move, that we're selling our house, run. Just run as fast as you can. Just don't ask, just run away from us. You, you, you never want to deal with us when we're buying a house. We're, we're extremely difficult. So this is how it works at our house when we, when we buy a house. First, like a lot of you now, we start online. And we're looking and we're looking and we're looking and we're looking. We picture, 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 picture. We look at a million different places. You know how it is. And then before we even call the realtor, we'll drive, we'll drive by the house. We'll drive through the neighborhood. We're looking at the house. People get creeped out when you go look at their house. Let me tell you, it's not weird to have people sitting in a car with binoculars at night sitting at your house. That's not that weird. Okay, so everybody relax. And so we're looking and we're looking and we're looking. And then, you know, sometimes you know how it is. You're like, mm, no, 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 no. Then finally, finally you see when you were like, okay, all right, we, we're going to call the realtor. We'd like to go look at that house. And so this particular house, we went and we looked at, right? And, and we walked through and we're like, man, you're so excited. Maybe this is the one, this is the one. Nah, it's just, it's just not, I don't know, is that the one? Is that, I, I don't know if that's the one. And we kind of had a few things with the house. And we're like, man, if that could change, if that could change. And we've moved on. We're looking at other places, right? And so then finally we kind of kept coming back to that house. And so we actually contacted somebody. We had somebody go through the house with us. This is what they do. And we said, man, can we change that? Could that change? Is that, is that in our price you know, range? Could we, could we possibly change that? Mm, 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 and so we left that house. And we're like, okay, we're done with that house. And we look and we look. And we're still looking. We're still looking. We're still looking. And that house kept coming back to us. And so now we contact our realtor again. He's like, yeah, hey, how, sorry, the house is off the market. And we're like, okay, would you contact the owner and, and ask them, even though they've taken that off the market now, would they show it to us again? 
And he's like, okay, let me contact them. He contacts them. We go back through the house. And we're like, yeah, okay, this is the house. This is a, and look, we've looked at everything. We like the house. We, we like where it's located. A few things. You know how it is. You, you bought houses. Some of you bought houses before. And it's like, we like this. We didn't like this. We like this. We didn't like this, right? And so bottom line is we bought the house. Okay, so one of the big projects that we had, there was this bathroom that was just, you know, it just needed to be redone. Now, these are first world problems. You know that. We sleep, we, we always say this, man, we sleep indoors. We have a house, not only, and I'm not trying to brag, not only do we have a house, our cars, which we own cars, our cars have houses, okay? So these are first world problems. So we say, hey, can we have this bathroom redone? So, so about three weeks ago, finally, somebody started in on this bathroom. They were working on this bathroom. They gutted it, right, the whole thing. And so now we can't use that bathroom. We can't use that shower. Well, on the main floor, on the main floor, is a, is, it's like a powder room. You know, it's just a half bath. And the people who lived in it before we did, they had this, the, the guy was a longtime hockey coach here in Bloomington. And so what he did is he's got kids, and they're all playing hockey. They need another shower. So right off the kitchen, right by the back door, this half bath, they expanded. They put a shower in there. And when we were first looking at it, I, you remember this, you were like, that's kind of odd. And me, I'm like, I don't really care. It's a shower. That's good. We're all good. So, so now that's the shower we, we've been using right now, right? Now it's a shower. I go in the first morning. I go in the first morning, and I'm showering, and right next to the, the handle where, where you turn the water on and off, you know, right, that handle, there's another lover. And I thought, okay, I'm game. I'll, I'll, I'll smack the lover, Right? <laughs> Jets come out of the wall. It's awesome. It's like, hey, hey, jets, jets are coming out of the wall. It's the craziest thing you have ever seen. Now, here's what's crazy about it. We already bought the house. And the reason we bought the house is for the house. The house is the main thing. The house is awesome, right? I mean, for us, for us, we love it. But these jets. Everything in my house is better now. Everything is better. The upstairs, way better. The main floor, way better. Everything is better because of the jets, right? Here's the other thing that I was thinking about, and this is kind of crazy. Had we been on the bubble about this house, like now we've probably looked at it a fifth time, and we're still on the bubble, right? If I'd have known about the jets, I'd have bought that house, that if we ever move again, I'm taking my swimsuit for the showing because we're going to test the showers out. Like, this is crazy, <laughs> right? And here's what I'm hoping today happens, that after we look at this passage today, I'm hoping that a lot of us who have been followers of Christ for a long time, I don't care if you've only been a follower of Christ for six months, I'm hoping we walk out of here today and we go, th this, this stuff is even better. It's better better than I ever even imagined. And here's the other thing I'm really hoping. I'm praying about this. If you're here today and you say, hey, Neil, I'm not really a follower of Jesus. First of all, I just want you to know this. I'm thrilled that you're here. And people come every week and they say, I'm not really a follower of Jesus, but I'm curious. I'm interested. I'm asking questions. I'm checking out. If that's you this morning, here's what I'm really hoping. I'm hoping that you'll see some of these, what I'm calling the perks. And this will push you over the edge and you say, you know what? That's what I've been searching for. I'm hoping you, you'll make that, that kind of decision today where, where you'll kind of go, that's what I've really been looking for. This is, this is what I've been looking for. So look in your Bibles, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Just start in verse 1. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church he's never been to, he's not going to get there for about another three years. Paul says this in verse five, there, verse 1. Therefore, 
since we've been made right in God's sight by faith. Now, you know this, that normally when you say therefore, what you usually have to do is you have to start flipping back pages and you have to go, well, why, why is the therefore therefore? What's it there for? What, what, what are they talking about? Paul says therefore since, which means this. It's going forward and he's going to re-explain to us what it's there for. Therefore, since, here's the big sense, we've been made right in God's sight. Now, this is Paul talking all the time. You've heard this over and over and over. Right in God's sight. There's no more friction between us and God. There's total forgiveness. There's nothing that stands in the way of our relationship. We are right. It's good. And he's saying the way that we've been made right is by faith. Now, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and we talked about faith, and, and I know I've been beating folks over the head with this because this is so important, but I'm going to bring this up again just so you know this. This word faith, it's not the very you know, ambiguous faith that, that we oftentimes talk about. Hey, I have faith that the Vikings are going to win again. Hey, I have faith that it's going to stop snowing. That's not the biblical idea of faith. The biblical idea of faith is the Greek word pistis, and it's usually translated as faith or belief. When you see faith or belief in your Bible, it's usually the Greek word pistis, but it also means faithfulness, ongoing. Going, ongoing. It continues. It's not a one-time decision. It's not a one-time moment. I had this, this revelation this one time and I was done. I did this. I asked Jesus into my heart. That is not biblical faith. Biblical faith is ongoing. It's lifestyle. It's trust. When you trust something, you put your full weight on it. I trust this. I put all my trust into this. It is an allegiance. It is a devotion. And in particular, it has this implication. It is implied that actions based on that trust will then follow. Translation, your life should look like it. You can't just say, I'm a follower of Jesus, and then live however you want. That, that's one of the challenges that the church is having today. Everybody seems to say they're a Christian. And listen, I don't have it figured out all the time. That's for sure. But if we're going to say, I'm a follower of Christ, our lives should reflect it. That's biblical faith, Right? Okay, so Paul says this, therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, now watch this, we have peace. We now have peace. This is kind of one of the perks, but I'm going to show you something. Now, first of all, just so we understand what peace really means, it's the Greek word irene, and it means this, it's a quietness, it's a rest, or it's a wholeness. But in the context specifically, of the Christian faith, what peace really means is this. It's the tranquil state, listen to this, it's the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ and so fearing nothing from God. It is content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. Like there's just this, it's all good. It's all going to be fine. Not, not because I have things worked out, Right? But, be, but because, because I know what my eternal destiny is, and I'm right with God, that, that's peace. Now, what's ironic is this. We spend so much time seeking peace instead of the giver of peace. And we seek all kinds of crazy things, and we do all kinds of crazy things. Now, maybe you can't put your finger on it. Maybe I can't put my finger on it. Maybe we can't name it. We, we can't describe exactly what it is. But it's this feeling that we're missing, and we're looking for this feeling that we're missing. And deep down, that feeling is peace. And so we'll do all kinds of crazy things trying to get this peace. We're going to look for, to try to be more beautiful. We try to get more money. We're trying to get more sex. We're trying to have more success. We're doing all these things chasing it. And here's the irony of this. This stuff only creates more turmoil because this stuff can never possibly fulfill you. It doesn't have the possibility of ever fulfilling you. And so because you've chased it and you've chased it and you've chased it, you're only more frustrated. 
there's only more frustration, there's more anxiety, you sense more hunger because we've chased after peace instead of the giver of peace. We've been at all the wrong sources. And now, here's what's, here's what's really making this confusing currently. Currently in culture today, currently pop psychology today is saying this, that the way you ultimately find peace, the way you find ultimate peace is you become the ultimate authority so that you have ultimate control. That's why, for instance, we say the craziest thing right now when somebody says something, they say, well, I know my truth. Because when you say my truth, that makes you the ultimate authority. I've said this before. Your truth is not always the truth. My truth is not always the truth. We say the craziest things. Then we go, well, that's my truth. I'm like, well, your truth is crazy. Like, that doesn't make you the ultimate authority. We, we're, we're trying to get this peace thing by becoming the ultimate authority. Now, there's a, there's a, it's called uh, the, the paralysis of choice. Paralysis of choice. And, and because when, when you, you're the ultimate authority and you've got to have all this control, th- this stuff creates problems for us. It's not helping us. It's not creating more peace. It, it's creating more disharmony. And I'm going to tell you why. And here's the principle at work. That control is actually, I'm going to show you this, control is the enemy of peace. You being the ultimate authority, me being the ultimate authority, me having all control, it is the enemy of peace. And this paralysis of choice is why. If my wife sends me to the grocery store and she says, hey, we need ketchup. Have you ever done this? I'm like, no problem. I'll I'll grab ketchup. And I walk in, and there is a wall. And there are 48 kinds of ketchup. Do you you know what I'm saying? We're lost. We're just lost. Man, we're redoing this bathroom right now, so we've got to go look at paint swatches for the walls. And I'm like, oh, that's beige. Hey, that ain't beige. It's moth wing. It's moth wing. (laughs) And there are like nine different shades of moth wing. There's this paralysis of choice. Man, and listen, I'm just just FYI so you know this. I'm, I'm not against online dating. I'm not against it all, right? But think about online dating. Swipe, 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 swipe. You know how they found your husband or your wife in the ancient world? Your wife was one of the six women in that village who wasn't your sister. Your husband was one of the six men in that village who wasn't your brother. I mean, that's how they did it. And now we go, swipe, swipe, swipe. Like, how many choices do you need? Control. You being the ultimate authority. All this choice. It's the enemy of peace. Now, let me do this, and I just want to go off on a tangent. I want to say this as gently as I can. Man, my, just know that my heart is right when I say this. I come from a very good place. I also believe this, and if you're one of the people that this applies to, listen, man, just take this as gently as you can. I believe it's one of the reasons that we're having the gender issues, that we're having the gender confusion today. Listen to me, man. This, this whole, you can have a choice. And you can just be one of anything. I'm sensitive to this, man. If you're, if you're battling that and you know it's a struggle for you because you feel the, the tension right, listen, man, you need to hear this loud and clear. God loves you. God loves you. This church loves you. This church loves you. I love you. Man, if you're parents and you're, and you're going through this, you're embroiling this because you're a parent, this church, I don't even know what it looks like, but we want to walk with you. We want to walk alongside you. We want to right? we, we be there. But giving them, I'm like, just whatever. 
Listen to me, man. Somebody, if you're 23 years old, a 23-year-old will do something that even they would later say, that was really stupid. And the rest of it saw it in the first place, and we went, that was really stupid. And you know what we say? We say to the 20, about the 23-year-olds, we say, well, you know, their frontal lobe is not fully developed until they're 25. And that is true. That is true. The frontal lobe is where you do your decision-making. It's not fully developed until we're 25. Okay, question. Then why do we put something of this weight on the plate of a six, seven, or eight-year-old. Somebody help me out. Like, somebody please be the adult in the room. This is not a shot at anybody. And, and some of you might have been offended because I used the word confusion. Listen, man, this is not a shot at anybody. I'm just telling you, this is the way the brain works. And all of this choice and you having all control and you being the big authority that doesn't bring peace. Control is actually the enemy of peace. Right? That's not where peace comes from. There's only one who brings peace. So this is what Paul says. Paul says, therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace. Now, just note, we normally think of peace on the social level. So when we talk about peace and we think about peace, we think about peace and we talk about peace with humans socially. That's how we think of it with other people. Listen, because Paul's not done. He says, we have peace. Now, here it is. Ready for this? With God. We have peace with God. Like, this is the really big thing. Now, we are with God. We have peace with God. Now, I'm going to say it this way, and you'll see why a little later the, the, because of the, the alliteration. But we're now good with God. We're good with it. And just so you know, I'm not stressing that we're good with God. I'm saying we are good with God. We are now with God. This word with, again in the Greek, is the word prose. And prose is an active word. It is necessarily, it's implied. That it's implied that there is motion, that this is an active word. It, it's why Young's literal translation in NIV, they translate it as this. We have peace toward God. The picture, the idea is this. It's a man or woman intentionally, totally unhindered, uninhibited, moving toward, deliberately toward a loving God whose arms are wide open. That, that's, what, that's what it means when we have peace toward God, peace with God. We are with God. We are moving in that direction. We are moving toward God, right? That's the prize. The prize is with God. That's it. That's the greatest thing. We're looking for peace and we're chasing all the things to try to get us peace. No, stop, stop, stop with God. You want peace? Peace is great. With God is better. With God, this, with God, right? That's the greatest thing. Now, John Piper's a longtime pastor and a theologian, and John pastored for decades here in the Twin Cities. Listen to this. This is what John Piper wrote. John says, the gospel isn't a way, get this, the gospel isn't a way to get people to heaven. It's a way to get people to God. That's what the gospel is really about. And he says, it's a way of overcoming every obstacle to everlasting joy in God, with God, toward God, prose. It's the same word. If we don't want God above all things, then we haven't been converted by the gospel. And what we should desire above everything is God, not the things that God can give us. We spend so much time staring at the hand of God, we forget to look at the face of God. To know God, to know God. Now, John's going to ask a question here, and, and so I'm going to read this. And I just, as I read the question, I just want you to ponder it. I want you to think about this, because I had to 
that I had to wrestle with the question myself. So listen to the question he asked. He says, listen, if you could have heaven with no sickness, with all the friends you've ever had on the earth, all the food you've ever liked, all the leisure activities you've ever enjoyed, all the natural beauties you saw, the physical pleasures that you've ever tasted, and no human conflict, and no natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if God wasn't there? Anybody, anybody else just get punched in the gut? So I was like, ah, that, that kind of hurt. Because I'm thinking, all oh, this is good. All oh, this is good. And what he's implying is, man, but if you didn't get God, you missed it. You missed it. You missed out. And the God, I'm being with God, pros, like with, like toward God. That's the greatest thing. It's the greatest thing we could ever experience. So here's a question. Like, how, what happened? How did we get so far off? How do we get so far off where we're constantly looking at the hand of God? We're constantly wondering the things that God gives us. And one of the answers, and it's not the only thing, but it's things like the prosperity theology or the prosperity gospel, which is all about you, you, you come in a relationship with God, man. Everything's just good. It's good. You're going to have a better marriage, and you're going to have better relationships, and you, you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. It's all about that. And so maybe people do decide, okay, I think I do want to follow Christ. But the question is why? And the answer is because they want the gift more than the giver. Because they're thinking about the blessings of God rather than the presence of God, rather than just being with God. Listen, man, if you're here today and you say, I don't call Jesus, I don't don't call myself a follower of Christ. Man, I'm just going to be honest with you. There's nothing more that we want than for you to come into a relationship with God because you get to experience with God. But I wouldn't have you do it under false pretense. I wouldn't have you do it under false pretense. It's about being with God. God. Peter, you know the apostle Peter, Peter was a witness. He was there for everything. He was with Jesus in his three years of ministry. Peter was a guy who watched Jesus be crucified. You know, Peter's a really interesting character. And he wrote letters to the church. And in one of his letters, 1 Peter, he wrote this, Christ suffered for our sins. He witnessed it. He saw it. Peter saw it. He, he was an eyewitness. He said he suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners. Why? Why did he die for sinners? To bring you safely home to God, with God, Pros toward God. That's why Jesus died. Jesus didn't die so that someday you and I would die and then, hey, we could fly around with the angels. That's not why Jesus suffered and died. Jesus didn't suffer and die so that you and I go to some place and hopefully we'll have our favorite food the rest of our life. And who knows, maybe we get to see Grandma again. That's not why. Jesus suffered and died. Ready? You get God. Like, boom, mic drop. That's it. You get God. That's the greatest thing we could ever experience. That's why Jesus died, to bring us into that relationship so that there would be peace with God. With God. Right? Now, I want to mention this, and I want to be very upfront at the same time. Because having peace with God, being with God, pros, toward God, I'm very clear about this. With God is not without trials. I'll say it again. With God is not without trials. I don't want you to go into this thinking falsely. Just, just out of curiosity, if you've been following Jesus, you call yourself a follower of Jesus, just honestly, help me out here. If you would say during that time you've ever had a trial in your life, raise your hand. Raise them up high. Raise them up high. Hold them up. Look around. Look around. Look around. Raise both hands. And you got a foot up. I saw that. Yes. Because that is just true of life. 
It is true of life. But you are still with God. And I would also say this, that with trials is not without God. That in the midst of it, Kimmy and I, when we got married, we got married on a sailboat. I had a buddy, David. He had this big, it's just this really big, cool sailboat. It's not something we could ever buy, right? But it's really big. Like it sleeps people down. I don't even know how many it sleeps. And it's really cool. And I've been out sailing with David a few times before we decided to do this. It was so cool. Like we, like we had nine people just walking around. It was just really cool. And... Uh, uh, one time, I think it was one of the first times I was ever out with David, and we were sailing on the boat. And if you've ever been on any of these big sailboats, they're sailing along, and they're just like, Aww. you know what I'm talking about? Some of you have been on them. It's just like they lay down almost. And I was kind of, that's not good, you know, right? I'm like, baby Titanic, here we go. I, I, was, I thought we were in trouble, right? And I didn't say anything, and it happened a couple times, and I think David saw me because he walks over me, and he goes, hey, you just need to keep your eyes on me. I'm like, hmm, I don't know what you're talking about, you know. <laughs> He's like, no, no, I'm just telling you, don't worry about the boat, does. Just, just watch me. I said, really? He goes, if I'm good, you're good. And this is life. This is life, man. Guess what? We're in the, when we're in the trials, you just, our eyes just stay fixed on Jesus. In the midst of the trial, our eyes just stay fixed on Jesus. The writer of Hebrews said, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. If you've come into relationship with, with, with God through faith in Christ, hey, there's still trials. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. So, so Paul tells us then, number, perk number one is this. You are good and you are with God, with God. But as a result of that, there are two other perks that he talks about just, we'll just talk about those briefly, and I'll just touch on these. But the second one is this, that you have strength to stand. There's now strength to stand. So let's look at what he said then in verse 2. We read through verse 1, but now he says, because of our faith, this is that word pistis we talk about, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. Undeserved privilege, in a lot of translations, it's translated as grace, that we now have this grace. Grace is undeserved privilege. And usually when we talk about grace, what we usually think about is, hey, I got something I didn't deserve. Hey, I didn't, I didn't earn that, but you gave it to me. And, and, and that's what we oftentimes talk about, biblical grace. In fact, we have an acronym. Some of you know this, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Right, we got something that we didn't earn, we didn't deserve. We got it because of what Christ did. But there's another understanding of grace in the Bible, and there are other times when that same word grace is translated and understood this way. It is the, tra- get ready for this, it is the transforming power of God to do supernaturally what could not be done in the natural. Okay, let me say this again. Grace can also be understood as the transforming power of God to do supernaturally what could not be done in the natural. Right. We've said this before, and I hope you know this. I hope you realize this. The moment you come into relationship with God through faith in Christ, through an allegiance, through a devotion, through a full trust, the moment you do that, you receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit now isn't just this arbitrary thing. He dwells. He lives inside of you. And the Bible says this, that the same power, in fact, that raised Jesus from the dead now lives inside you. Right. The transforming power of God now lives inside you to do supernaturally what you can't do naturally. 
You say, man, I'm really struggling with this addiction. I'm really struggling with this behavior. I can't control my mouth. I'm really battling this. Man, I can't quit doing this. Listen to me. The transforming power of God now lives in you that does the supernatural, things that couldn't be done in the natural. It says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved power, this uh, undeserved privilege, this transforming power. And further, what I love about this verse is it says, where we now stand. Now stand is translated in the perfect tense, which means this. It's understood that it is right now and it continues forward. That doesn't go away. You don't lose the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. That, that's something that we get to have. And so the three things really are good with God, strength to stand, the transforming power of God to do supernaturally. We have that now. And then thirdly, I would say this, it's the hope of heaven. It's the hope of heaven. He says this, Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place. Here it is. This is grace, this undeserved privilege where we now stand, perfect tense, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Finally, finally, we talk about heaven. Like that's what he's talking about here. And this word confidently is really interesting to me because this word confidently in in, in this context almost means a, a type of boasting about a privilege or a possession Like we have this confidence like, I know, but I know that heaven someday will be. And heaven is the very presence of God. It is in the presence of God. That's what we're going to experience someday. We can look forward to that. And we look forward confidently and joyfully and we rejoice in it. Right? And so first and foremost, we said, hey, we're good with God. We are with God. It's the greatest prize of all that we'll experience the presence of God. And we have that right now. We have that right now. That it's strength to stand. That it's the, it's the transforming power of God to do in you supernaturally. What you couldn't do in the natural, you have that. That exists in you now if you have the Holy Spirit living in you. If you profess faith in Christ. If you've made that decision. And number three, yes, we know that someday. The hope of heaven. We know that. We know this life is short. We, we, we know we'll be there someday. Someday. It's not just like hope. Hope here is, is a noun. It's not a verb. Right? When the Bible talks about hope in that case, it's, it's a noun. It's not a verb. It's not a verb like, oh, I hope so. It's we have a hope. It's a confidence. It's a confidence. And so all of this is available. This is first and foremost, man, with God, with God, with God. So let me give you the big so what. If you're new here, always at the end of service, we'll have a big so what, which is, which is our way of saying if you slept the whole time, don't sweat it, just get this. This is what we want you to walk home with. The gifts are good, but the giver is greater. Like the gifts are good, the giver is greater. That's what this is about. That's what this is about. We spend so much time staring at the hand of God. God says, hey, 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 look here, look here, look here, look me in the eyes. I like what the psalmist said. The psalmist says, this is David, and David was kind of discouraged, and he was down and out, but then he says this. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. See, the question is like, kind of what do we do with this this morning? What do I walk away with, man? Here, here's the takeaway, like seek the face of God. Seek the face of God. Now, what does that mean to seek the face of the God? The, God, the, God, the face of God speaks of intimacy. And I know if you're a guy especially or, 
or, or, or maybe you're just not inclined that way. Guys are kind of like, mm, that intimacy thing, that's kind of creepy. I don't know. The, listen to me, man. You know what the beauty of intimacy is? Intimacy is you don't have intimacy just because you know someone, right? Just, just because you know someone. I mean, like, take your favorite rock star, singer, your favorite athlete. You know who they are. But you can't have intimacy because they don't know you. Intimacy is this, to know and to be known. See, that's, that's what it's about with God. And intimacy is actually spelled T-I-M-E. That's how you spell intimacy. You want to have intimacy with God, right? It's spending time with God. It's spending time in God's word. Some of it is praying. You say, I don't feel that. Some of it is praying and say, God, give me a heart that just seeks you and desires you. God, give me, give me a desire for intimacy. Holy Spirit, give me the desire for intimacy to know you and to be known by you. See, that's, that's really where it's at. I mean, that, 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 that's where that relationship thing is. That, that's where that's at. And so good with God, good with God. Man, strength to stand, the power, the supernatural, transforming power of God. And then the hope of heaven. Seek intimacy first. Seek the face of God. Seek the face of God. Seek to know God. Seek to know Him. So seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Man, the way that your word just speaks to us, God. So my, my prayer is, Holy Spirit, that you're speaking not me, God. I don't have a thing to say. But Spirit, you have so much to say to us, to feed us, to, to teach us. And so that's what we're praying for this morning. We're praying for you, Holy Spirit, to speak. And so I'm going to give you just a second. Just, just take that in and ask this question. God, what are you saying to me out of this morning? Just ask that question. So, Father, would you give us a hunger? Would you give us a desire for intimacy with you, to know you, to be known by you? God, would you, would you give us that desire? Holy Spirit, that's something only you can do. We can't manufacture it. We can't hype ourselves into it. That's, that's, that's your work, Holy Spirit. And so give us that desire, a strong desire, just to know you and to be known by you. Give us that desire, Holy Spirit. 